This program is brought to you by P1 Australia Racing Components, the designer of the oil heat mats for dry sump tank applications. Find out more about the truths on engine oil heating at p1australia.com. You love supercars and keeping up to speed sometimes means hitting the rev limiter? Welcome to the Gates Rev Limiter Podcast. After each round, we unpack what happened. Join Andrew Clark. We've paused a fraction and got it right, and they probably still would have won the race. I mean, and yours truly, Neville Wilkinson. These are the heady days when Ford was spending megabucks for all the action, all the controversy, and sometimes a little emotion. The Gates Rev Limited Supercars Podcast. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or where you listen to them. Thunder Media. Hi, I'm Chas Mostert. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. And you're listening to Inside Supercars. From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. Today on Inside Supercars, we hear from the straight-speaking co-owner of Triple Eight Race Engineering, Danny Quinn. So look, I've just been a quiet bystander, enjoyed the spoils of a war that I wasn't even there for half the time and to a rookie engineer who wound up the season with guiding his driver brock feeney to his first championship victory martin short when we won the super two championship i said to pretty much everyone you watch out he'll win a race next year and he uh, left us the last moment but got it done and yeah he did a, a great job two great interviews along with some words from shane van gisbergen and also jamie Winkup. Our look at the Velo Adelaide 500 and the championship starts now. Welcome to Inside Supercars. It's uh, the end of the season, Craig. And uh, while I'm sure that you had a nice flight back to Canberra, I had a uh, fairly uh, he- <laughs> heavy drive back to Melbourne. And um, it, But it was a wonderful weekend. I was certainly energised by a great event. And... The Adelaide 500, I think that, uh, as happenstance has it, being the last event of the calendar, I think really works in its favour rather than trying to recreate the atmosphere of maybe having it at the start of next year. By going with the end of the year, it just has that magic difference to what it used to be. Great event, though. It was indeed, and recognised as the fans' choice for the best event of the season, which was amazing because I think the fans' choice had to be in before the end of the season. So, um, you know, that's how much the fans wanted it back. We spoke to Mark Warren on the show, what, two weeks ago, and it exceeded, I think, everybody's expectations and the KPIs that they must have said. It must have eclipsed those KPIs. 258,000 and a bit of change across the four days. The concerts at the end, Tony, on Sunday night with the Killers, Amy Shark, something for Kate, were extremely well supported. And inside the precinct, you could see a lot of attention to detail. They had a lot of lessons learnt from all the previous years, and they were really applying those to what we saw over the course of the weekend. One thing we did do, Tony, from S5000, Dunlop Super 2, GT pits and uh, the Aussie racing cars and, of course, the uh, TCM back to the main games pit, 
we clocked up a lot of steps. Indeed. And the wonderful thing was, while the paddock still spread out, because it, you know they're large categories, 28 of Aussie racing cars, at least 15 of the GTs and TTMs, and you know large fields in both Super 2, Super 3, S5000, not so big, but every one of those categories put on some good racing at some stage over the weekend, and there were very few failures on track and very few failures by the drivers on track. On a track, that ended up being very difficult, as we saw on Saturday in the uh, first of the 250s. Some people being online on various websites are uh, being critical of the drivers, but as you and I both know, it was extremely hard work for them to get through. And fortunately, uh, the temperature was just a bit kinder on Sunday, so we didn't have that double up of the uh, two horrendous days of temperature. We're going to hear from Chaz Mostert and Nick Perkat, Rob Starr, in subsequent shows as we move towards Christmas. So for the Walk and Troy Andretti United fans, we're going to have some uh, clips for you that I'm sure you'll be interested in as we go through the coming week. On today's show, we're going to look at the championships, first-time winners, and also we speak with one of... Three owners of Triple Eight, Tony Quinn. It was fantastic to catch up with him as he is on the road to recovery. Indeed, and it's certainly a, a shame, Van Gisbergen, while he didn't uh, add to his tally of 21 of 34 races, he certainly uh, <laughs> made his mark, most notably on post-race 34, when he uh, decided he wanted to exceed Russell Ingall's famous uh, burnout Back in 2005 or six or four, rather, I think it was. I don't know. I just wanted to do something to beat Engel's skid for that. that his skid's all-time best ever, so I want... Hopefully it rivaled it. I don't know. I haven't watched it yet, but it was pretty cool. I just like winging stuff and going loose and ask some friends what I should do because, again, I just wanted to beat Engel's thing. I've done some good skids in my time, but I knew I wouldn't be allowed and I'm probably not flexible enough to sit out of the car like that, so... <laughs> yeah, I wanted to come up with something, but yeah, I didn't plan it too much and just, yeah. He, t he told me to do, or Tunners told me to do some skids around the trophy and I didn't really want to do that. I was shit scared about hitting it. He, he wanted me to hit it because it would be good TV, but um, yeah, I just, I just wing that stuff and whatever happens, happens. Yeah, Thank you. I was just so happy that the car didn't slowly kink left and nick off down to turn one. <laughs> that, that wouldn't have been funny. Kane uh, thoroughly enjoyed himself. He uh, baffled over the penalties he was given and uh, clearly when he was uh, uh, annoyed at himself as much as anyone else probably was when he was uh, driving into barriers on um, Saturday, he uh, certainly put in a great drive, which uh, he was uh, then penalised for a, uh, uh, an overtake and a restart. So that was all good. So we're going to hear from Shane now, I think, that uh, on his championship uh, uh, his third championship. Shane, congratulations. Thank you. How do you look at this season as, and what do you look at as the highlight and what's the, the lesson learnt for next year? Yeah, to sum it up, it's just been amazing. Like, as I said, with so much change and then learning with Andrew. Andrew's a pretty amazing character and comes from a very different team and culture and how he's learnt to work with JJ and the other engineers and the whole team, how it, how it flows has been really cool to be a part of. So learning that relationship, I think he was pretty surprised after the first debrief. Uh, I think I say a lot less words than Perkett does to describe understeer. Um, so it took him a bit while to get used to that. But um, 
it's been amazing working with him and yeah like the highlight is also with him like winning um winning Pukekohe is easily the highlight but how emotional he was you know he was obviously pretty close with JR and and he won the first one with Bridie as well the JR trophy so yeah sharing those type of moments with someone like that is you know it's 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 epic like um yeah you let that stuff sink in and it's um pretty cool but yeah, there's always stuff to improve on. Still made mistakes. Um, Sydney in the wet race two made a bad call with the wets when I spun out, and you know probably could have managed my jet lag better after Darwin, and and you know worked with the team better with our promo stuff for the Darwin after Le Mans. But there's always stuff you learn along the way. So um, yeah, but these new challenges, the new car, everything. There's always something every year in motorsport. The way the sport evolves so quick, the new challenges keep it interesting. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm fired up to get into next year. And ignoring the races today for you and yep. yesterday for you, this event, what yep. do you think this event is going to mean for the platform of supercars? Yeah, I think it's a fantastic place to finish out a season and hopefully next year, you know, if I, maybe I win it around to go, it would be great again. But if not, this is a perfect place for a cliffhanger. Like the races we've had this weekend are... Uh, are epic like it's it's great for the sport there was so much action and what they've done to bring the bring the event back here like i've never heard a premier get cheered here before <laughs> that was stop. yeah <laughs> it was um that's an amazing you know it's what it means to people to have this event back i remember i come here after the wednesday after bathurst to do do the um, media interviews like the whole the town was all for it you know how enthused everyone was to have this race back it's a very cool feeling and, and it's what we need. So hopefully it's a great place to finish out the season for years to come. He changed his number before the weekend and it didn't have the desired response and he was very clear about the future of his race cars and their number. It's been a mental weekend. I'm never changing the number again. Tony, we also got to enjoy Triple Eight's performance. They picked their man, Brock Feeney, and by the end of the year, not only was he the highest place rookie, podiums, but wins by the end of the season. Indeed, and in fact, uh, fascinating, of course. I think he's in sixth place overall in the championship points. He's the highest place rookie probably ever in our championship in the current format of the way it is uh, called Supercars, which is fantastic. And, and Brock had to endure Chas Moss on his tail, and it was a wonderful job he did. 54 of the 78 laps, he was leading the race, and certainly wasn't behaving like a rookie. He was behaving like a seasoned warrior. Uh, did a great job. Uh, pretty special moment, walking out in front of all the fans, everyone cheering, and good send-off for Holden. For sure, I wanted to get the uh, first win all year, and... I left it pretty late, but um, yeah, the car was the car was awesome, and everything sort of fell our way today. But we had good speed as well, so I knew it was coming. It was a matter of time. Uh, I just had to put all the pieces together. So to to do it, uh, perfect way to send off the year. An amazing thing where Triple Eight have taken out a, a treble, a quadruple, or whatever the heck it is, but in taking out the drivers' championship, the teams' championship, Bathurst, Super Two, and well as uh, having both of their drivers winning races. So they've taken out. 22 of the 34 races, uh, it's an extraordinary uh, success for that team. And Jamie Winkup certainly is a man who can stand up for, for what he's achieved this year in his new role. 
It's a bit, it's been unbelievable. But as I've always said, that you know, Triple Eight is 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 run by the by the people and the, and certainly the, the management team. That it's it's not run by me. It's, it's run by the managers and uh, um, RD RD is engineered a fantastic group of people and uh, we just went out there and swung freely and and, uh, and executed all year. It's, there's been so many um, extraordinary performances within the group, big, big, small, ones that are highly publicised on TV, ones that go go on behind the scenes, um, but it's been a, it's just been a full group effort. We've, uh, we're both striving for the one goal and uh, we, we, we all got there together, which is, um, which is, which is something I'm, I'm extremely proud of. Tony, you had a chance to speak to a long-serving member of the Triple Eight crew, an engineer, and Martin Short. Indeed, it's Martin Short, a wonderful young man. He uh, has been with Brock Feeney through Super Two, uh, winning the championship last year, and then uh, being his engine race engineer all this year. Started in 2018 with Triple Eight, and started out as Shane Van Gisbergen's data engineer. And obviously has uh, done a fantastic job. And Mark Dutton, when he hired him out of uh, fresh out of Auckland University, uh, picked the right man. And uh, he and Brock Feeney have been a great combination to have won a race in your rookie year as an engineer as much as a driver. It is a fantastic achievement for uh, that young man, Martin Short. Yeah, and thanks for having me. It's yeah, pretty awesome. Uh, yeah, first year um, main game supercar race engineer and. Um, stepped out of rock this year. It's been yeah, awesome, awesome year. Um, the, the nice thing is, I imagine that, that just something I don't know, but I imagine as a, a young engineer to come in with a young driver and to actually come into this game uh, and win a race because that's that's pretty sort of magic. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, just a few years ago, I was watching supercars on TV from back in New Zealand. So um, it's a dream come true. Uh, yeah. I, I can't believe it, and working with such a young, great kid, Brock, um, who's full of energy and enthusiasm, he's great to work with, and yeah, I couldn't imagine winning my first race with anyone else. Okay. And, and you chose the last minute to do it, as Brock made mention in the press conference. You know, I've been wanting to do it all year, but he got here finally, so uh, pretty amazing, because also, he did a fantastic job, 54 of the 78 laps to hold out you know, out front was a, a big job to do on a track that had been biting very many drivers. Yeah, he did an awesome job today. Um, yeah, like you said, he left at the last minute. I had um, every faith in him from when we won the Super 2 Championship. I said to pretty much everyone, you watch out, he'll win a race next year. And he uh, left at the last moment, but got it done. And yeah, he did a, a great job. We were um, a bit down on fuel. Um, after the first safety car, so we had to make a, about 10 seconds on some of the cars behind us to um, come out first in that last stop. So he pushed really hard in the second stint and then, yeah, just got did the a, gap. Yeah, got the gap and then did a great job to hold off um, Chaz for 30 odd laps at the end. Yeah, wonderful. All right, let's talk about your history. So you're an Aucklander? Uh, originally from Hamilton, but yeah, moved up to Auckland the uh, last kind of four years to study up um, an engineering degree at University of. Um, the Auckland University of Technology. So, yeah, moved there. Um, yeah, just before I moved over here. Right. Okay. And so you land in Australia, um, and what you make a couple of phone calls or? Uh, well, I actually graduated um, in 2017, and yeah, just didn't know what I was going to do out of uni. Got a uh, design job in Auckland. Um, started that for a couple of months and saw. Um, a job pop up on Speed Cafe, so I yeah sent my resume to Dado and 
um, got a phone call within a couple of days and I think it was within two weeks I moved over for the job so it was it was a crazy time I didn't have much time to get over here but um, yeah yeah it was an awesome opportunity and I couldn't say no. Well we're very glad you, you did because it's uh, obviously paid off that you gave what uh, Triple Eight were looking for. Uh, you, your early days with Triple Eight tell us about what, what that involved. Yep yeah so I started um, Triple Eight started 2018 and I was originally Shane's data engineer. Yeah. Um, I did a couple of years with him um, and then, yeah, started 2020, I was working alongside Chippy um, as data engineer. And then, um, yeah, COVID kind of broke out. Um, and then I got an opportunity to engineer the Super 2 car after that. Um, so, yeah, it's been a, a gradual, I think this is my fifth year with Triple Eight. So it's all happened actually a lot faster than I thought. Um, <laughs> five years to, to be a main game race engineer, I'd never thought it would, it would come around that quickly. Okay, when people say to you, oh, you've been very lucky in your career, no, it's good management, not good luck, okay? Yeah. <laughs> um, it's the skills you have that have got you to where you are. Yes, good fortune to get in those places, but it's what you've walked in with. Um, I interviewed John Russell in recent times, and uh, uh, he's an extraordinary man. I've known him since he arrived in this country. I imagine you've spent some time around John Russell. Yeah, he um, was actually part of our Super 2 program, I think, in 2019. So, yeah, got to know John a little bit. Um, yeah, great dude. You, you know that the first time he saw a timing monitor, he'd actually been appointed a race engineer for Ricardo Patrese, the most experienced man in Formula 1 in 1991. Yeah, far out. I think that's the year I was born, so he's <laughs> been around for a long time. So, yeah. Well, when John landed here, of course, at the end of the Formula 1 year, he fell in love with our Australian touring cars. He thought these were the greatest things out and he wanted to come and do it, so, you know, he did that. Um, okay, so you've obviously enjoyed your time at Triple Eight and obviously working with Brock. You'll be with him next year, you believe? Yep, um, from what I understand, we're going to be uh, working together next year, so, yeah, I'm really excited um, finishing the year on I and I think um, these current cars are very hard to drive. Um, the guys around them have a lot of experience in these cars, so... Um, I think next year we're going to even be um, going harder and fighting for more race wins. Um, I think this, the new car is going to suit him and yeah, it's going to be awesome. All the very best, Martin Short. Enjoy your Christmas. Uh, I'm sure you'll enjoy it extra special having just won this race. That just gives that lovely little touch off through the year. Yeah. And we look forward to seeing you at Newcastle. Awesome, absolutely. Thank you much. As we look at the ownership on this edition of Inside Supercars, we're going to speak to... Well, the elder statesman now of the ownership group in Tony Quinn. He uh, flew down. He's still obviously in recovery mode from the Townsville crash, making great progress. Um, I think he might be exceeding his 1% per day sort of thing. Um, and uh, the wonderful thing for him is, and uh, I hope to catch up with him, his grandson will be competing in the New Zealand Grand Prix and the TRS in uh, 2023. Um and uh, at Hampton Downs, of course, which is Tony Quinn's track now, um, he's a, a fascinating man and one who uh, gave us an insight into not only the uh, his involvement with Triple Eight, but also as a track owner in Australia. And he certainly gives us a decent view on uh, how he sees the 2023 calendar. And he doesn't seem at all bitter about uh, maybe not appearing next year on the calendar but uh, beyond that. Your first year, well, one of the principal owners of Red Bull Ampole Racing. How has that been? Well, it couldn't have been any better, I don't think. You know, the, um, the team's done exceptionally well. 
I think Brock's going to finish the highest placed rookie ever. Um, Shane's obviously won everything, nearly. I don't know what he hasn't won, apart from yesterday's race, but that was, that was just to prove he was still human. Um, and uh, Jamie's done a good job with the team. Dato, the, whole, the, whole JJ, the whole team have done a great job, stellar job. And Roland's behaved. He's kept out of the way, you know, as he said he would. And um, I've, I've, I mean, my only purpose really is to, it was to, this is how I see it, was to catch Jamie if he fell, you know, if he tripped up with the media or whatever, you know, the teams, whatever, and was just to give him moral support. But he hasn't needed me at all. Um, so look, I've just been a quiet bystander, enjoyed the spoils of a war that I wasn't even there for half the time. I mean, I left the business uh, alone from July, and I've only just, we just had a board meeting in November, and that was the first time back for me. But um, look, the Gen 3 thing, honestly, has been a massive friggin' distraction to us as a, as a business. Um, I don't know if everybody appreciates what we've done for the whole uh, Gen 3 business. Um, you know, without Triple Eight, um, it would never have happened. Never. Jamie did make the comment about we're doing 75, 80% of the Gen 3 development, and he, he was taken to task. Just about everyone wanted to have a piece of him after he made that comment. Well, but it's true. And the, th the trouble is that, that nobody thinks it's true, and it is true. And, you know, best person to ask is Mark Scaife and Shane Howard. I mean, I was on a telly call with them a month ago, and the first thing they said was, you know, a great big thanks to Triple Eight, because the Gen 3 thing would never have got off the ground and never been so far advanced if it wasn't for Triple Eight. And if it wasn't for everybody changing their mind about what the car should look like or feel like or, or act like, the thing would have been ready by now. But it's just there's been so many changes because, you know, I guess they're trying to satisfy everybody's fickle demand. Um, you know, so that's been the delay, really. And, yeah, there's been parts delays and stuff, but that, that the major delay has been in preparing the actual finished drawings for the car to be built, the cars. Every change, though, comes at a cost. And these cars don't quite seem to be the cost that we were hoping for and it seems like it's Gen 2 all over again. I, I, I agree and one of the reasons that I got into the V8 business, uh, teams business, was because I, I could see fantastic potential uh, commercially in running a car that looked and sounded really good and drove well and was much cheaper to, to um, run and produce. Unfortunately because of all the, as I say, fickle demands, um, it's blown out of all proportion. And it's just, it's a shame. Um, but we have what we've got, and I think, I think the product will be good. And the show will go on, and the show will be good. So, you know, we'll for, this time next year, it'll all be forgotten, and we'll have crashed four cars and written them off and moved on, and, you know, there'll be another challenge in front of us, I'm sure, you know. Hopefully not another COVID or anything, but you know there'll be other business challenges to deal with. Are you enjoying that part of it? I guess it's a unique circumstance that you go offline for so long. In uh, normal circumstances, that wouldn't have been the case. But hey, you, you said you're enjoying the rewards, but 
the challenges? Have you enjoyed the challenges it's presented? Um, I've left that to the team. I mean, I've had my own challenges, which, to be fair, have been top of mind. I didn't think that I would be so um, damaged, both mentally and physically, uh, after the crash. I mean, to be fair, it, it, the, the mental strength that you need to, to get through these things quickly is, is uh, you know, it, it, you don't understand it until it happens to you. Um, and I've been absent, but I, on my personal level, all of my businesses have done exceptionally well um, with my absence. So there's another story there, isn't there? I mean, there's another obvious story there. Um, but they claim that they've all missed me, so I don't know. I don't know who to believe. <laughs> it sounds like uh, there's a good excuse to have some long holidays in 2023. Yeah, look, my, my personal plans is um, I'm going to go up to Queensland Raceway um, in the next couple of weeks and do a flat-out half-hour stint just to make sure I can actually sit in a car and drive it for that long. Um, I'm sure I'll be fine. Um, my ribs have changed shape and stuff, so I just have to get used to that. And then next year, all things going well, um, I'm going to be driving a GD4 um, car. And uh, I don't think I'll be driving Aussie race cars. They're too bouncy. So I'll need something with air conditioning and soft suspension, I think. So that, that, that's my personal plans. Hopefully, I can do it. And can I just say thanks to everybody, um, people from far and wide that have, that have popped up on the Google box internet thing and, and given me their sincere thanks and well wishes. I mean, people from as far away as America and Canada and people that I, I knew 20 years ago. And, you know, it's just been, that's the one good thing about the internet. You know, the porn and stuff that's on it, that's no good. But friends can actually make contact with you that you haven't seen for years and years, and it's been really good, and, you know, um, onwards and upwards. You're sounding like a racer there where the goal is to get back to that next race. That's what I'm getting well for. Quinny, have a fantastic Christmas, and we wish you all the best with the rest of the recovery. Thanks, guys. Thank you very much. Tony, all in all, a very, very successful Velo Adelaide 500 and uh, we should conclude this edition of the show by acknowledging the winners from the Galar Awards. The Barry Sheen medal going to Lee Holdsworth who we had on the show last week and he well bowed out with the top gong as far as the non-performance awards go. You know the wonderful thing about that I was texting Lee this morning to congratulate him, um, I've known him back in Commodore Cup days and uh, he and his father and brother and mother, um, and they're a wonderful family. They're, they're hard-working people who uh, have certainly built themselves a, a great little business in the car parking industry. But I was able to tell Lee something that he wouldn't have known, that on this morning's Channel 7 News, a crawl-through on, on the screen about you know Brazil and all the soccer teams and everything, but up came on Channel 7 News a crawl through saying that Lee Holdsworth had won the Barry Sheen medal, which he was delighted to find out because normally that sort of thing just goes through to the keeper and is never known by anybody else. Unless you're a part of the inner sanctum 
who are really following supercars, as our listeners do. Oh, closing the loop on Lee Holdsworth, last week on the show, we said we'd rate his burnout because he told us that he was doing a burnout. I gave him an 8.2 on what I saw, and I must admit I did give him that score before Shane had started his. Maybe I was a a generous scorer. I can assure you that Lee's message back to me was very positive with that result. So that closes the loop on last week. But as we said, Shane Van Gisbergen, the champion. Now, an interesting one, the driver's driver. I know Shane has won this a number of times, but Cam Waters from Tickford Racing picked up some silverware there. Uh, The team's championship goes to Red Bull Ampole Racing. These polls to Cam Waters just showing that, you know, Shane Van Gisbergen did have to do a lot of passing this year because he wasn't always starting on the pole position. Uh, The champion manufacturer for the last time will say Holden um, because we're pretty confident they'll have those Camaros ready. That's a story for another day, Tony. Uh, Supercar... This is the Supercars Hall of Fame. Inductees are Craig Lowndes and Tim Schenken. The fans' choice was Shane Van Gisbergen. The best presented team, Red Bull Ampole Racing. So, you know, when you're winning, it always looks better than everything else, doesn't it? Fans' choice we mentioned for the event was the Adelaide 500. The best volunteer group, well, it's hard to beat the Bathurst 1000 for that. The Media Award is Chad Nalon, and congratulations to Chad. Of course, there is the Supercars Media Association Awards that went on Friday, and uh, we had a number of different winners and Hall of Fame inductee uh, recipients, including Chris Lambden and Mark Horsburgh. The Mike Cable Young Gun Award went to Matt Payne. The Super 2 champion, Declan Fraser. The team's champion, Triple Eight Race Engineering. So that was another of the gongs they collected this year. And the pole positions also went to Declan Fraser. So, Tony, that wraps up the Galar Night at the Adelaide Oval for the first time. I will pull you up on one thing. I think we call it a gala rather than a galar. <laughs> and uh, I want to make one mention, though, that... Um, Everybody, I think, almost with the exception of maybe Triple Eight and maybe Tickford, uh, everybody else was rejoicing in the win by Walkinshaw and Andretti United on Saturday. The one-two particularly was uh, poignant. Um, and the great thing I would like to comment on is they did, I think, the best livery to say goodbye to Holden. It was a standout. The way in which they had the uniforms as well, because, of course, I came into the series when that was their colour scheme. And uh, I thought it was fantastic to see them and doing it all so well. It's interesting to see when you look at a number of the drivers, how much they've grown in the years. I, I particularly think of um, the way in which Chas Moss did. He actually talked about Oren Park and how wonderful he enjoyed that particular track when he was racing Formula Ford. And that was uh, an, an insight into uh, parts of Chas that we don't often see or hear about. But uh, I think it was a wonderful event, a great result. And terrific that Brock uh, got that uh, monkey off his back in, in getting the race win. He's certainly been on the podium several times and well-deserved of his sixth place in the championship. It was a hard-fought championship through the year other than Shane being a class above. Interesting, Shane's come out and said that any one of eight drivers could have won if they were driving his car. Well, that's a very magnanimous thing for him to say and uh, something that he should be lauded for 
well and truly. It, it was a great event to be at, and I certainly feel I've completed my year in supercars again. Tony, it was a great way to round it off, as we mentioned. We do have more coming up on Inside Supercars this week, and on our next show, we'll hear from Jess Dane, another of the owners of Triple Eight Race Engineering. We'll also hear from Declan Fraser, who has had such a, a wonderful year in the Super Two category. And of course, uh, uh, a bit more insight into the uh, the whys and the wherefores in the background on Gen Three from Jeremy Moore from Triple Eight, the homologation team for the new Camaro, and of course from Perry Kappa at DJR, the homologation team for the new Mustang. So. There's certainly plenty to look forward to on Inside Supercars. Thank you for listening. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next time for more. Or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. You love supercars and keeping up to speed sometimes means hitting the rev limiter? Welcome to the Gates Rev Limiter Podcast. After each round, we unpack what happened. Join Andrew Clark. Sort of paused the fraction and got it right, and they probably still would have won the race. I mean, and yours truly, Neville Wilkinson. These are the heady days when Ford was spending mega bucks for all the action, all the controversy, and sometimes a little emotion. The Gates Rev Limited Supercars Podcast. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or where you listen to them.